Placing our trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is life's most important decision. And I, I changed the period there to an exclamation point because there is no greater decision that we can make than to uh, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, it's the um, life, most life-changing decision that can be made. However, not clearly understanding what happened when we trusted Christ as our Savior can hinder our spiritual growth. So when you got saved, and when I got saved, I'm assuming you're saved tonight. If you're not saved, this is a great night to be here because you're going to hear what it means to be saved as we work through this booklet, obviously through the Bible most importantly. But uh, there was, what, what happened was there was a new birth. There was a new birth. Uh, spiritual birth in your life, in my life, the day I, the moment I made that decision to trust Christ as my Savior, I was now a baby in Christ. Peter says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I think it's 1 Peter 2, 2. So God did not save me or you and you, excuse me, um, to be a baby. God saved us to grow. He saved us, like we said this morning, to bring glory to him. And so what we're praying is that understanding our salvation a little bit more will not only equip us to be a witness for Christ, but will help us to grow uh, in grace as well. So we're going to take a look at this booklet tonight in God's Word, and the, the Word of God in this booklet, so we can know why we need salvation, how God provided it, through his son, Jesus Christ. So let's take our Bibles out, and we're going to turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3, question number 1, why do we need salvation? Why do we need salvation? And we've got three, we've got two answers for that, and we're going to look it up in our Bibles. And so part of the purpose as well in having this class is that so that you and I would be able to tell someone else about salvation. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to be missionaries, right? We're supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. As an ambassador, where is our home as Christians? Who can tell me? Brother Barry? As an ambassador, where, who, where is our home? That's it. We are, we are already, in a sense, seated together in heavenly places. As a Christian, we're already as good as in heaven. You say, Pastor, we're not in heaven. This is not heaven. Please tell me this is not heaven. Okay? Correct. It's not heaven. But we're, we're as good as in heaven today as a Christian. An ambassador is a representative. The reason why I'm saying that is an ambassador is a representative of his home country. Okay? So I am, you are not an ambassador for Canada. As a Christian, you're an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our home is in heaven. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. And so we need to be able to tell someone, why did I need to get saved? And, and it, really, the testimony that you have, if you're a Christian, no one can take from you. No one can take away your testimony. And so we want to be able to show somebody from what God has done in our life, but we, we have to use the Bible. I should say we get to use the Bible, right? 
Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So why do we need salvation? Romans chapter 3, look at verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So that includes everybody in this room tonight. Nobody in here is righteous. Nobody in here is completely right. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Notice this statement. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. It gets worse. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. We talked about that a little bit this morning. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become, what's the next word in your Bible? Guilty. Guilty. I stand before you tonight, prior to coming to Christ for my salvation, I stand before you, I, stood, I would have stood before you guilty, condemned. That's prior to coming to Christ. This is why we need salvation, because number one says, we are all guilty of sin. We are sinners by birth, and we are sinners by choice. We are sinners through Adam. Romans 5.12 is listed there for you. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's referring to Adam. And because Adam sinned, notice what it says, death by sin. That's physical and spiritual, quite frankly. The reason why people die physically is because of sin. That young man that I referred to that was run over by a drunk driver, God allowed it, but that happened because of sin. So the wages of sin is not just spiritual death, it's also physical death. And uh, it says here, so death passed upon all men, for that all have what? Sin. This word sin here means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. You want to jot that down in your booklet, maybe. What is the mark? Well, the mark is perfection. The mark is holiness. The mark is righteousness. Uh, the mark is God, and God is holy. <laughs> and there's no one like God. So we've all missed the mark. It doesn't matter how good we think we are. The Bible says we've all sinned. The booklet says the one man spoken of in this verse is Adam. Due to Adam's sin, we have been alienated from God. As a result, we have inherited a sin nature. We sin by nature and by choice and are in trouble with a holy God. You could maybe write in, guilty before God. That's what it said in verse 19. Guilty before God. It's not guilty before the court of Canada, I'm guilty before God. That's why we need salvation. I'm guilty. Number two, as we know in a court of law, when someone is guilty, then there's going to be a sentencing. 
a sentencing. There's going to be a penalty. Number two, because of the penalty for Adam's sin. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. I know it's in your notes, but I think it would be good for us to turn to this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, 22. First part of the verse says, For as in Adam all die. So as Adam all die. When Adam took that bite and Eve took that bite of that, un- that forbidden fruit, the Bible says their eyes were immediately opened. And they recognized that It wasn't the same before that that bite of fruit. It was different now. And it revealed to them that they didn't have clothes on and they didn't want to be with God anymore. And so they ran and hid because they recognized immediately that they were guilty. Guilty before God. Now, death has two parts to it. We've kind of covered that already. But look at Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. The goal isn't for you and I just to have some more information tonight. I think most of us know these verses. Some, maybe it's the first time going through them in this way. But the object, again, my prayer for us is so that when you are out in your week at work or you are out in your week at uh, school or you are out in your week at the store or you're with somebody that's a friend, but maybe they're not a Christian. It's not that we're trying to twist anybody's arm and we're trying to sell somebody. No, but we ought to be able to give the gospel plan. It's not just the pastor's job. It's everyone's responsibility to be able to tell someone, you know what, let me tell you, I want to tell you what Jesus Christ has done in my life, why I needed him to do it in my life. And you know, it may not be that you even have to initiate the conversation, It's called when the door opens up, we want to be ready when the door opens up in any type of conversation we're in. We want to be able to uh, uh, capitalize on that. And with the Lord's help, we want to be able to move that conversation to spiritual things or the things of Christ. So that's that's the prayer that I have for each of us as we consider uh, understanding salvation. Number Uh, or, or not number, yeah, number two, the penalty of sin. Notice verse 23 of Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. What is a wage? How can we explain that to someone? Something you earn, okay. Yes. You get paid every couple of weeks. That's a wage. So it's a payment. What's another way we could explain a wage? A what? When you bet someone. Hmm, I've never thought of it that way, but that's okay. Oh, a wager, a wager. Different word. Sorry, now, now I'm with you. Different word, that's a different word. But that's, yeah, you're right. You're taking the, uh, right on down the line there. But that, I think wager and wage are different words. Yeah. yeah. I think a payment is definitely the, the word for it. 
And so we're not changing the word of God, but we want to be able to explain to somebody the payment or the wage, the penalty of sin is death. Now, notice what it says in our little booklet. Death is not annihilation. Some might say, so I'm going to die. So what? Then it's over. Right? Why am I concerned about all of this uh, church and Christ and all of this? When I die, it's, that's it, I'm dead. But death is not annihilation. While our bodies will die and cease to breathe and turn back to dust, our soul will continue on. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 9. The soul will separate from the body. The top of of page 3, or if you want to turn in your Bible as well, Hebrews chapter number 9 shows us that it's not the end. Death is not the end. Bible says that it and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, what? You see it? Judgment. Something's coming. That's the penalty. That's the wage. And uh, the second death is the eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. We have a physical death and we have a spiritual death. The physical part is that what makes me Ben Turner? My soul is going to be separated from my body, but I do not cease to exist. I still exist when I die. Just not here. And that's that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here, that there is coming a day of judgment. It'll either be the great white throne judgment, or it'll be the judgment seat of Christ. And that's really getting into a little bit more depth than we would get into. But the point is, this is why we need salvation. Because I'm a sinner, and because of my sin, there's coming a judgment day. Look what it says in Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. Second death is an eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. The Bible is very clear that there is a heaven. Praise the Lord for that. But the Bible is also very clear that there is a hell. A heaven and a hell. And this second death is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Look at verse 14. Revelation 20, 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the what death? Second death. So this is that spiritual death that we're talking about. For the wages of sin is death. You could write a note in your Bible, Revelation 20.14. And you would go and you would say to someone, you know, the reason why we need to be saved is because sin is a part of all of our lives I have had a few people tell me they don't, they've never sinned. And quite honestly, I, 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 don't, I don't go any further with them because you can't, you can't get saved until you recognize you're a sinner. You can't get salvation until you recognize you need it. And really, that's one of the number one reasons why people don't come to Christ is because of pride. Sometimes to admit we're a sinner is really a hard pill to swallow, so to speak. 
Because we, we, we are looking at one, one sinner and we're looking at ourselves and we're comparing ourselves to the, to the murderer and we say, well, I've never murdered anybody. And some people will say things like that. I need to write down the reference for this. I don't have it memorized. Maybe someone can look it up for us. But do you know what Jesus said to, to look at someone with hate is to have committed murder already in our heart, even though we never pulled the trigger or threw the knife or did whatever? Same could be said of adultery. You've looked on a woman and lusted after her. You've already committed adultery in your heart. And so um, this is why we need salvation, because we are all guilty sinners. And so it says here, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death, verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life, Revelation twenty fifteen was cast into the lake of fire. Now, we, we then could go to Revelation 21, 8. John says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. Wow, what a list. But notice what else he says. And all what? Liars. Have you ever told a lie? If you just said no, you may have just committed a lie. <laughs> I, never, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that's told the truth every time. Bible says right there, all liars. So I'm guilty. We're all guilty. That's probably not the only thing I've done wrong, or you as well. But all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the... So we're trying to emphasize that death is not the end. Death is not the end. Oh, well... You know what? When I die, I'm just gonna I'm gonna live it up for my life. I'm gonna just go, I'm gonna go hundred miles an hour every day. I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. I'm gonna live it up, and when I die, I die and it's all over. Wrong. No, there's a there is a judgment coming. This is why we need to be saved. There is a second death coming for those that are without Christ. This is why we need Christ. So why do we need salvation? Number one, because I am guilty. Number two, why do we need salvation? Because Adam's sin came with a penalty. Therefore, Ben's sin comes with a penalty. You could probably put your name right there in your book. Adam and Barry's sin came with a penalty. Because as in Adam, all die. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. And then it said, all have sinned. So you could put your name right there with Adam in that little note. Because of the penalty for Adam's and my sin. That's why we need salvation. Because remember, well, God is a God of, oh, God is a God of love. Ben, God's not going to send anybody to hell. He's a God of love, isn't he? Yes, he is a God of love, but he's also a just God. A just God. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So while God is a God of love, it doesn't, it doesn't take away his justice because he's a God of love. God is a very long-suffering God. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is a very long-suffering God, but he's a just God. So that's the why. Why do we need it? Because we are guilty. We're guilty. Every man, woman, 
has been guilty, who's ever been born of a woman except the Lord Jesus Christ. Guilty. Number two, question number two. How did God provide salvation? How did God provide salvation? Probably the most famous verse in the Bible. If you haven't memorized it, maybe that could be one you'll memorize this week. Or you say, great, I've already memorized John 3.16. I only have to memorize one verse this week. You came in a little bit late. We have homework in this class. You have a pop quiz that you can take during the week. Or not a pop quiz, an open book quiz. You can just use the notebook. But we're all trying to learn two Bible verses that are at the end of that book by next Sunday night. One of them is John 3.16. If you know it, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. That's how God provided salvation. He provided it through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, it's in your notes there. Somebody want to stand up and read Romans 5, 8? Please. Who's got it? There we go. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that, Max. God commendeth his love toward us. The word commendeth is not really a word that we use a lot today in our English language. Who knows maybe another synonym for the word commendeth? Or what does that word mean to you? Demonstrated. That's very good. Demonstrated. That's a good word. It's okay to write that in there. Basically, when you're looking up words in your Bible dictionary, again, some of these 400-year-old words, I love them, but some of them we don't really use anymore, and we need to kind of look up and get the meaning of them. Demonstrated, another word that I've used, and I'm actually going to write that one in, Miss Donna. Thank you for that, is the word proved. But that word demonstrated is a powerful word as well. But God commendeth his love toward us. Who are the us? What's another name for the us? It's right there in the verse, and we just talked about it in point number one. Why do we need salvation? Who are the us? Sinners, that's right. So here we see a holy God loving sinners. Loving me, loving you. It says, while we were yet sinners... Obviously, Jesus died for us before we were ever even thought of. But, the omniscience of a holy God could see down through time and could see you and me somehow, some way. This applies to us, that God, that Jesus Christ died for us. Us being sinners. So this is how God provided salvation. Letter A, let's look at this. It was Jesus, the innocent, who died for us, the guilty. Now, remember, we said point number one, why do we need salvation? Because we are guilty. We're guilty sinners. 
That's why we need it. So here's Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Here's Jesus, God's Son, never having sinned one time, always doing what was right. Here he is, the innocent one, going to the cross and dying for all of us, and us are guilty. The innocent died for the guilty. 2 Corinthians 5.21, who'd like to read that verse? It's in the book, or you can look it up in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Don't everybody volunteer at once. Shy, bashful people. Come on. There we go. That's right. That's right. Very good. Thank you. Who knew no sin? I want to underline that. Circle it. Highlight it. It's the only way Jesus Christ could die for us. Yes, He was the Son of God. But because He was the Son of God and the fact that He knew no sin, He was the innocent dying for the guilty. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ. I I, I found this and I I wrote it down. I don't know that you'll have time to write it all down, but listen to this um, quote. Ponder the achievement of God. He doesn't condone our sin, nor does He compromise His standard. He doesn't ignore our rebellion, nor does He relax His demands. Rather than dismiss our sin, He assumes our sin and incredibly sentences Himself. And read that again. Ponder the achievement of God. What, is it, what are we talking about, the achievement of God? We're talking about how God provided a way for us to be forgiven, for us to be no longer guilty, but for us to be justified. And by the way, to be justified means just as if we had never even been a sinner. Not just as if we had never sinned. There's a big difference because I, I sin because I'm a sinner. I was, I've been a sinner since I was born. And when I get saved, notice what he said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that we might be made the righteousness of God in, in him. So when we get saved, now we have the righteousness of God, which is completely right. Sinless, if you will. So it's just as if I had never been a sinner. Ponder the achievement of God. He doesn't condone our sin. Nor does he compromise his standard. He doesn't ignore our rebellion, nor does he relax his demands. Rather than dismiss my sin, God assumes my sin and incredibly sentences himself. God sentenced Jesus so you could be forgiven, so I could be forgiven. This is the beautiful gift of God's plan. Of salvation at the top of page number nine four excuse me top of page number four sal- uh, jesus was separated from god the father so we would not be eternally separated from god the father 33 years 
Jesus would walk this earth separated from God the Father. 33 years, Jesus would live a sinless life, do all that he did, reading about that in the Gospels. But he did all of that. He'd go to the cross so that someday you and I would not have to be eternally separated from God the Father. Psalm 22.1 is a prophetical verse of what Jesus, of what would take place on the cross. David writes, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? You can look it up. We won't, re- we won't look it up for time's sake, but Psalm 2740, or Matthew 27.46 is the account of the, on the cross where Jesus says those exact words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So we're looking at the question, how did God provide salvation? He provided it by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Number two, God offered sinful man the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life. Let's look at Romans 6.23. We looked at it earlier. Let's look at the second part of the verse. You know, this this little booklet here is a booklet you can keep, obviously, and it's a booklet you can go through somebody with. You might have a family member in your home sometime for tea or coffee or whatever, and they're not saved. They don't know if they're a Christian or not. You don't know if they're a Christian or not. And you can just use this little booklet and go right through it and say, you know what, let's take, I want to take some time and show you how... The Bible explains salvation, and I'm gonna, we're going to work through this little booklet as well. You know, life is a vapor. The people that we love and know, and people we don't even know when we come across, we have an opportunity, with the Lord's help, we have an opportunity to at least give them the truth. In no way am I capable of Causing someone to get saved. I can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it is my responsibility to speak the truth in love. It is all of our responsibilities to speak the truth in love. God offered sinful man the gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23, the second half of the verse says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now we explain what is a gift. Here's a reference you can write down. Write down these references if you have your pen there. Write down Acts 13.39 and write down Acts 15.11. Acts 13.39 and Acts 15.11. So we're going to now talk to someone and we're going to explain to them what is a gift. And there's two statements that are made there. Number one, a gift is free. And number two, a gift must be received. Did you get one of the booklets? You got one? Okay. Everybody has, everybody has a booklet? Okay. Let's look at Acts 13, though, and see what the Apostle Paul says about this. Acts 13, 39. The context of Acts 13, 39 is he's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, you can read that for yourself, the few verses ahead of it. But for time's sake, I'm going to read verse 39, which says, And by him, it's speaking about Jesus, 
all that believe are justified from all things. Notice all that believe are justified from all things. From which ye could not be justified by the, what? Law. So this is a one way we can show from the Bible that salvation is a gift. It cannot be earned. Keeping the law is earning. We don't keep the law to be a Christian. That would be a work. That's Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5 is listed right there for you with that little eyeball. It's really saying, look it up. And it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So it's a gift, not by the law. How about Acts 15.11? Would someone read Acts 15.11? Just a couple pages over. Okay, Brother Kim. Okay. Through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't say anything in there about getting baptized. Doesn't say anything in there about being good. It says that we get saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't say anything in there about, you know, uh, you know doing so many uh, religious deeds or religious, uh, go through so many religious hoops. No, it says it's by the grace of God. And this is Peter here speaking. And the same way that they're saved in the book of Acts is the same way we're saved today. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can give somebody the gospel in, in five to ten minutes, that doesn't mean that they're ready necessarily to be saved, but you can give somebody the gospel. I'm talking for 40 minutes tonight because we're, 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 we're digging into it a little bit, but you can give somebody a simple gospel message in just a few minutes. Again, it's not saying that you're saying, okay, now that I've told you that, why don't you just pray with me and get saved? No, that's not what we're saying. But you can plant a seed in a little bit quicker than what I'm doing tonight if we know the, the basics of the gospel message. The reason we need the gospel, the reason why we need to be saved is because we're guilty. And we can tell somebody that. And we know that when we're guilty, there's going to be a penalty to pay. Whenever somebody's guilty here, even in Canada, there's going to be a penalty to pay. And so it is with God. But the reason why God was able to make it possible for you and I to be free is because, and we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless sacrifice that he made on the Calvary's cross. And he says to all of us that are not saved, he says, you know what? I have a gift for you. The gift I have for you is eternal life. Now, the second thing that our little outline here tells us about a gift, not only that it's free, but a gift must be what? It must be received or it's not a gift. If I offered this one-of-a-kind Anchor Baptist Church pen. And it is one of a kind. It was a sample that was sent to me. <laughs> Do you want to buy more of these? And if I said to Brother Andrew Kim, I, I want to give you this pen. It's a gift. I want you to have it. And he just stayed back there in his chair. He never came and got the pen. Is he ever going to be able to use this gift? 
if he never comes and takes it? The obvious answer is no, he can't use it. It doesn't matter that I paid for it. I didn't pay for this particular pen, but if it had been a pen that I paid for as a gift, it didn't matter that it was a gift. It didn't matter that it didn't cost him anything because he never received it. He never accepted it for his own. So a gift must be personally received. Let's look up John 1.12. John 1.12. John 1.12. All right, who wants to read John 1.12? Ms. Ross? Wow, that's a power, thank you, that's a power-packed verse, isn't it? I mean, really, that has so much goods for us. So they've believed. At the end of the verse, they believed, right? But it wasn't just belief. It was also at the beginning of the verse, they received. So there was a believing and there was a receiving. And when the believing and the receiving met, notice what it says there. God gave That individual, because it's as many as. That's an interesting statement there. As many as. There's no set number anywhere in your Bible of how many people are going to be saved. Regardless of what some groups will say. There's no set number. Only God really knows that. As many as. That means that could include you. That could include me. To them gave he power to become the what? Sons of God. That is an all-encompassing word, sons of God. It doesn't mean just men. It means children of God. It means ladies as well. So here we see that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But it must be believed and it must be received for me to have the gift of my salvation. But here we have God's word That salvation is not a reward for the righteous. Be glad for that, by the way. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous, but is a gift for the guilty. It's right there in your notes. Remember, what are we? The reason why we need salvation, number one, because we are, we're sinners, we are guilty. So salvation is not a reward for the righteous. How many people are righteous? None. The Bible says, no, not one. That's zero, okay? So it's not a reward for the righteous. You know, if, I'm, if my good outweighs my bad, if my good outweighs my bad and I die, then I'm going to go to heaven. That's nowhere in the Bible. You can tell someone, no, no, you know, I know that's what we heard in catechism, or I know that's what maybe we heard in the Catholic Church, or I know that's what we heard in this church, or I know that's what we heard over here, but let's see what the Bible says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It says nothing in there about my merit, or I don't deserve it, and I don't deserve it because I'm guilty. But we've already discussed that, how God made it possible that we could be saved. So the last question is page five. What are the results of salvation? Number one, the penalty 
of our sin is removed. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. If you're in Christ tonight, good news, you are not going to be condemned. Jesus paid it all. When Jesus was on the cross and God turned his back on him, he uttered those words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it went dark in the middle of the afternoon. It went dark in the middle of the afternoon because all of my unrighteousness was placed on him. All of your unrighteousness was placed on him. And for that very moment of time, God could not even look at his own son. Why? Because his own son bore my sin and bore your sin. And the penalty was paid by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's a good verse to have written down. It says, I, it's got the eyeball there. Mark that in your Bible. Somebody's really wanting to have peace with God. Okay, let me show you. Let's go to Romans 5.1. Let me show you how to have peace with God. I need to make peace with God before I die. I'm not really sure what people mean when they say that, but I know what the Bible says about it. The Bible says we are, at, we are at peace with God through His Son. I'm not at peace with God through rubbing beads. I'm not at peace with God through giving a million dollars to the church. I'm not at peace with God for whatever. No, I'm going to be at peace with God in only one way. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. My charges against me are dropped. I am now justified. Meaning we have been declared righteous or innocent in the sight of God the Father. I wrote this down in my notes. Maybe you want to jot it down quickly. My sin was credited to Christ. His righteousness was credited to me. The moment I got saved, my sin was credited to Christ. And his righteousness was credited to me. Wow, what an exchange. It doesn't get any better than that. You're not going to find any better deal than that. Number two, we are forgiven. Results of salvation, we are forgiven. To be forgiven means that the debt of our sin is canceled. This is a good kind of canceled, okay? Can you imagine if, if you own a home and you have a mortgage that you got a letter in the mail this week that said, you know what, your mortgage is completely paid off. And there was a stamp on it, paid in full. Man, you talk about doing a, you, I mean, you might even believe in dancing if you got one of those. Hey, that's what the exchange that took place, our debt was paid in full. Paid in full, not partially paid, not somewhat paid, but paid in full. Notice what Jeremiah writes in 31, 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. He chooses to forget. It's something that we aren't able to do quite like God, but God chooses to forget. Hallelujah. By the way, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number three, what is the result of salvation? We are born into God's family. John 3, 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It isn't, you, might, you, you sh uh, maybe should be born again. It isn't, uh, you possibly should be born again. But to go to heaven, you must be born again. Top of page 
6. Trusting Christ made me, made you a child of God. We now have eternal life. Eternal relationship with God the Father. We, we took, talked about that. You know, John 1.12 is definitely a verse that you need to, to, to know. Once you are born into God's family, you cannot be unborn from it. You ought to, write, you ought to underline that. So many times people struggle with doubt. Once you've been born into God's family, you cannot be unborn. It's like saying to your mother, Mother, you know what? I'm going back in the womb and I'm going to be unborn. That's that's not going to happen. We can't be unborn again. And the last thing, next last question, what happens after? Number one, we follow Jesus. This is understanding salvation 101. Why do we need it? We're guilty. How do we get it? Through Jesus Christ. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. What are the benefits of it? We're forgiven. We're redeemed. We traded our righteousness for his, we traded our sin for his righteousness. What happens afterward? We follow him. Getting saved and coming to Christ and, and knowing you're on your way to heaven, following the Lord in believer's baptism, that's not part of salvation, but it is our first step of obedience. So many times we do those things and then we just sit down and nothing else happens. No, 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 that's just the beginning. Notice what it says. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they what? They follow me. After salvation, it's a life of following Jesus Christ. Oh, and what a life it is. Is it, is it easy every day? Of course not, it's not easy every day. In some ways it's harder than being, a, than being a, a person without Christ, sometimes it's harder. Oh, but I'm telling you, the eternal benefits far outweigh the temporal benefits that Satan has to offer. Because his benefits are very, very fleeting. They don't last long at all. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What does this mean? This means I allow him to direct my attitudes, my actions, my associations. You know what? That's, that's a tough one. We, too many, I wrote this down. Maybe you want to write it down. Too many times we are still directing ourselves in these and many other areas. As a Christian, I'm not to be directing my life, my attitude. I'm not to be directing my actions or my associations, my friends. No, I'm supposed to follow Christ. You know, like the old saying goes years ago, what would Jesus do? Still a powerful thought. Number two, we obey Jesus. Now that we're a child of God, we obey Jesus. We don't obey ourselves anymore. We obey the Lord. We obey his word. And hereby we do know that we know him. This is a litmus test, actually. Proof text. We do know that we know him if we what? What does it say in the verse there? Keep his commandments that doesn't mean we never miss one but it means that our objective and our goal is to obey whatever it is god directs us to do in his word that's one way that we know we're saved is that we want to follow god's commandments we find out what god wants and we do it we love who and what jesus loves so understanding salvation the questions that we covered tonight. Why do we need it? 
Because we are what? We're guilty. That's why we need it. So you're talking to someone about the Lord. Why do, why do I need to be saved? Why, why do I even need that? Well, because you're guilty, the Bible says. Secondly, how did God provide that salvation? How did he provide it? Through a person. Through Jesus Christ, his son, right? It all points to Jesus. It's not the church. It's not the baptismal tank. It's Jesus. That's how God provided it. What are the results? The penalty is removed. I'm forgiven. I'm born into God's family. And then what happens afterwards? I follow Christ. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. That's the goal. That's what we're aiming for. But this is so that you can take this home now, this week. Keep it. Keep it with your Bible. Work through that pop quiz or that open book quiz. Look at those memory verses. Here's your choices. John 1.12, John 3.16, Romans 5.1, Romans 6.23. The way I, the way I learn, like to learn Scripture is get a 3 by 5 card, write the reference on one side, write the verse on the other. You can just take those 3 by 5 cards with you through the week. And so let's all do our best to learn those verses. If you-